Welcome back, folks. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State presented by the Second String and the SecondString.com. Just a quick heads up, Pistons fans, bad boys are back. Isaiah Stewart made LeBron cry. Isaiah Stewart forced LeBron into assault with a deadly weapon. The Detroit Pistons, believe it or not, one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst team in the NBA, have forced LeBron James, some people's GOAT, the guy some people claim to be the best to ever do it. They have forced him into a mental lockbox, a glass case of emotion. They forced him into a place in which he may never step the floor with the Detroit Pistons again. The bad boys are back. I, we made a design. It's fucking fire. It is absolute fire. For sure, my favorite Pistons design we've made. Went on sale the other day. On sale right now. It's right on the front page. If you go to the secondstring.com, check it out. It's gas. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, everybody. Let me address, let me address massive sports weekend. Michigan beat Ohio State. Michigan fucking beat Ohio State. Can you believe it? I still can't really believe it. I'm not even a Michigan fan. I can't believe they actually did it. I saw a tweet. The best way to sum it up. I saw a tweet from some Ohio State Twitter account that said, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny saying this out loud. But the tweet said, what, did people really expect us to never lose to Michigan again? And I read that tweet and I was like, I mean, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, I know that's not possible. Assuming they pay, they play football for 100 more years. I know that that's not possible, but like before Saturday, yeah, dude, I didn't think anyone would ever beat Ohio State, let alone Michigan. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I thought would happen. I thought Ohio State would win the next 10 years. Michigan did it. Michigan did it. Um, I'm happy for all my Michigan friends. I'm happy for Michigan followers and Michigan listeners, Michigan alumni, Michigan fans, supporters, whatever. I'm happy for you guys. It's fucking weird. Like, I love talking shit about Michigan. Don't get me wrong. Let's not get too sappy. I hope they get their doors blown off by Iowa. Sorry. I physically, I, I will never root for Michigan. That's just the way it is. But I I can be happy for you guys. Like I recognize some of the, the like relief, some of the emotion, some of the, I don't even know what the correct word is. Just like, ah, like a, you can finally breathe again. If you could, if that's a word, if there's a word to describe that feeling, you saw it on the internet. I have friends that like, dude, I'm sure they, if you ask them, they went to Michigan, they're Michigan football fans. If you ask them, they would probably be like, dude, yeah, I don't, I didn't think we'd ever beat Michigan again. I'm sure I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. And it's crazy. Like as much as I love the joke around and it sucks that us state fans can't make the, you've never been to indie jokes anymore. And we can't clown Michigan, even though they'll, they'll still be plenty to clown. It is crazy that they haven't made the Big Ten championship since like 04, I think. They've never been to Indianapolis. So like as long as my memory has worked, as long as my sports fandom, I've said it a trillion times, like 08 is really when I started lodging memories. As long as that's worked, like Michigan's never been at this level. Michigan's never done what they did this year. Think about that. States had a handful of years. Granted, it's been a little while for MSU, but like 2010 to 2015, state year in and year out was contending. They were winning a lot of those years too. Three out of the five, as a matter of fact. Michigan has never done that. 
as long as I can remember. It it really is like the the biggest parallel I drew and what I really made me think of because let me tell you, I fucking hate Michigan. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, good for them. But you think about it in terms of the Detroit Lions, I have no memory. I mean, I wasn't even alive. Forget my memory. I haven't been alive the last time the Lions won a game of that significance. Winning a playoff game is what I would equate that to. I've, I've never been alive for that. I can't even imagine the relief, the emotion, the sheer joy, like the the impossibility happening, the impossibility, the impossible being possible, right? Something that I never thought would happen happening. It truly, I was like, damn, this is probably what it feels like to watch the Lions win a fucking playoff game. Like if that ever came, if that ever happened, I feel like it would look a lot like what Michigan fans were feeling and, and looked like on Saturday. And for that, when I think about it in that scope, I'm happy for them in that regard. Again, hope they lose. It would be so fucking funny for them to lose this game to Iowa. They win the biggest game they've won in however many years, 15 years, and they lose to Iowa. <laughs> they don't even end up winning the Big Ten. That would be so perfect, especially now. And good for them. All the Michigan fans getting their jokes off, puffing their chests out, acting like it hasn't been 17 years, which fair enough. They won. They're in the driver's seat. They're in the Big Ten Championship. They won the Big Ten East. They beat Ohio State. They beat Michigan. Oh, wait. They did beat Michigan State. Ah! But respect. They've waited. Right? They've sat. They've taken their beatings. They've made. They've gotten made fun of. They've eaten their jokes. Now they get to get their jokes off. Fair enough. Fair enough. It would be so funny if Iowa beat them. Like Michigan fans are already counting it. Yeah, we won the Big Ten. We're in the playoff. This and that. We're so we spanked Ohio. We're this. Our programs at this level, which again, fair. But it would be so on brand, so perfect, so Jim Harbaugh to lose this game against Iowa. I don't think they will. I don't think Iowa's very good. It this game really, really the Big Ten this year. I mean, it happens every year. I feel like if especially. If you're a fan of Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, every year, it's like, what the fuck are we doing with the Big Ten? You can just sleepwalk through the West and you, you Big Ten championship. And in the East, you can have an unbelievable season. You can go 10 and 2 and you're finishing third. <laughs> what is that, dude? What is that? The top three teams in the East would be the top three teams in the West. Like, what is that? What is that? Michigan State would be in Indianapolis if they were in the West. What is that? Right? That fucking sucks. Now, Iowa, I'm sure, is good. Can't really say I've watched Iowa at all this year. I'm sure they're fine. I think they're going to get fucking tattooed by Michigan. I don't see a world, although it would be hilarious, it would be funny, I would love for it to happen. It would be all this and that. If Michigan went to Indy and lost, I don't see a world in which Michigan loses that game. Like, you, you cannot. You cannot. If you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're those players, nothing. You cannot lose that game. Like, you thought the Ohio State game was just win. We can't lose this game. This is everything. You thought that was a can't lose game. Iowa, they haven't had a can't lose game like this since, I don't even know, fucking Bo Beckler. Like, imagine the backlash. They beat Ohio State for the first time in eight years, nine years, ten years, whatever it is. They go to Indianapolis for the first time. First chance at a Big Ten championship since 04. First chance at a college football playoff. The first time they've gotten near the natty in a long fucking time and they blow it to a team like Iowa, like it's not even, it'd be one thing if, oh, it's a rematch with Ohio State and you lose. Ah, oh, you got to play Michigan State. You blow it to Iowa, like a team you should beat. 
a team any of the top three in the top three in the East should be like you blow it to Iowa. That is the definition. They've never had a more cannot lose game. I don't know what would happen to be honest. I think Jim Harbaugh's house would burn to the ground because as everybody, it's all forgiven right now, right? Everybody that was calling for his head on October 30th, their biggest Jim Harbaugh fans on earth. They fucking love the guy. Extend them for 30 more years. This, that they've never said a bad word about him. They promise you, right? Which I get you win. people were saying it all week. And it was true. Jim Harbaugh wins this Saturday. You beat Ohio state. All is forgiven. It's a new age. The past seven years don't mean shit. You beat Ohio state. You're in Indy. You're in the college football playoff. None of that, all, all the losing, the, the fucking narratives, this, whatever's happened in the past, doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Which, fair, that's probably the way it should be. But if you lose, if you beat Ohio State and you lose this game to Iowa, the backlash on Jim Harbaugh, on the university, the pressure applied toward, you thought people were calling for Harbaugh's head after he lost to Michigan State? You thought people were call, calling for Harbaugh's head last year, the COVID year? You thought they were calling for his head the year before when they lost to Ohio State? You have never seen the likes of which people will call for his head if they lose this Iowa game. He won't be able to step foot in Ann Arbor if they lose this Iowa game. Players may not be able to leave their dorms if they lose this game to Iowa. Like, that's what we're talking. Would be hilarious. I'd love every second of it. I think most of America would love every second of it. I mean, right? Like, do I even need to explain it? But I don't see a world in which Michigan loses. Like, you cannot. The focus has to be so laser. In their minds, every single player on the team, every coach, the fucking water boys, right? Just the guy, it, you, the kid that sits sits next to Aiden Hutchinson and Calc. Everybody is so locked in on winning this game, finishing the job, completing the mission. Mel Tucker said it when it came to MSU this year. Like, you didn't come this far just to come this far. And Michigan is in the definition of a spot where you did not come this far. You did not beat Ohio State for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, especially when Ohio State just spanked us and looked like they were unbeatable. You didn't do all that to fucking lose to Iowa and blow it all. That's not why that happened. I just don't see a reality in which they lose because of that. Like, Iowa could play their best game ever. I just think Michigan is going to come out. They're going to come with that same energy, that same mindset, that same mentality, the same vim and vigor, and try to fucking bury Iowa. Like, they're not going to go into that game like, hey, guys, all right, let's take care of the football. Let's run it. Let's play the field position game, right? Let's tackle. Let's play it safe. They're going to come into that game like, let's murder these guys because we're the best team in the Big Ten. Let's fucking kill these guys because we didn't just beat Ohio State to not. I think they're going to come in and steamroll Iowa. I really do. Like, how can you explain? How can you say, sit here predicting? They may lose. How could you ever sit here and predict that they're going to lose this game though? You can't. You can't because they know they can't lose this game. They know that this game somehow is a more of a must win than that Ohio State game because it is because now all of that pressure going into that Ohio State game, that was kind of the beauty of it for Michigan. Everybody expects you to lose. Everybody expects CJ Stroud and Ryan Day <laughs> to hang a hundred on your ass. You're playing pressure free. Yeah, it's the game. Yeah, it's you know the rivalry. You shouldn't lose eight, nine years in a row, whatever it would have been. Right? That kind of pressure is there. It's at home. But the pressure was on Ohio State. The pressure was on Ohio State. Nobody's sitting there like, yeah, Michigan's winning this game. That's how it's going to be this weekend, except flipped. 
nobody's going into this game saying Iowa's Iowa's going to dominate the line. Iowa's going to make the plays. Iowa's the better team. They're better coach. No one's going to say anything along those lines because it's not true, right? Because nobody in their right mind can pick against this Michigan team after what they just did. Like imagine, imagine spoiling that game they played Saturday. There's no way. Also, I want to mention, I meant to do this earlier, but I started rolling. Um, the reason I didn't do this podcast Monday or Tuesday or even Sunday, people are probably wondering like, damn, bro, this game, huge game. One of the biggest games in, in the state in recent memory, huge game. This should happen Saturday. Now this podcast coming out Wednesday. Well, folks, the Detroiter for the first time ever is coming to you live today from sunny Los Angeles, California. Um, I've been moving, I've been moving all week. I've been trying to find an apartment booking a hotel, fucking my stuff, packing it, moving, like flying on planes. It's ass, dude. It's ass. You thought moving to college was annoying. You thought moving from your parents' house to Royal Oak or Detroit was annoying. Moving across the country is fucking ass. Um, but I couldn't do it without you guys. I want to say I appreciate you guys, the listeners, the supporters for allowing me to move out here and pursue my dream. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I do love you guys. I do appreciate the supporters and everything, but I moved out here for a normal job. One day though, one day I'm going to come on this podcast and that will be a for real conversation. But I just wanted to address, that's why it took so long. I've been dealing with so much shit. I've been dealing with all kinds of stuff. I haven't really had time to like sit down in a quiet room and just lock in. I'm talking about Ohio State. And that's it. I woke up at 1 a.m. Pacific time, 4 a.m. Eastern today. Um, It's currently 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. So, you know, for the math whizzes out there, 18 and a half hours straight, I've been awake. I'm fucking gassed. I am running on fumes. I feel, I literally feel as I'm speaking, I can feel my eyes like they're begging me to shut them. They're, They're tea bags above my above my eyelids. They're so heavy. Every time I go piss, I look at myself in the mirror and my eyes are more red than they were the last time. Like I'm gassed. I'm gassed. I need to sit down and sleep for like 12 hours trying to stay awake till 9 PM. Figured I'd bang out a little bit of a podcast, bang out a little bit of Michigan, Ohio state. I do have like, I'm fucking tired from not sleeping and traveling, but I do have some energy being in the new city, being in the new place. I watched the sunset tonight. Like I'm feeling good. This isn't going to be the traditional hour-long episode just because I don't have it in me. But I just wanted to come on here, talk for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. I wanted to do Michigan-Ohio State, and I wanted to do a little Javi Baez to the Tigers. Now, I watched the Wings tonight. They won three in a row. Huge fucking game. Stole one from Boston. We'll talk about them tomorrow. Um, We'll talk about Michigan State's win against Penn State tomorrow. We'll talk about Michigan, and I mean, I feel like I've already kind of done the Iowa thing. We'll talk about Michigan State, I don't know, the bowl game, but the coaching carousel, what Mel Tucker started tomorrow. So tomorrow, I'm going to I'm gonna release an episode today, Wednesday, Michigan football, Detroit Tigers signing Javier Baez, El Mago, and then I'm going to release an episode tomorrow, Thursday, MSU football, Red Wings. Maybe some more Michigan, Iowa stuff. I haven't decided. Maybe a little bit of Lions stuff. Haven't really decided. But I just wanted to get something out there. I didn't want to go the whole week without something. Um, like I said, hope you guys understand. Like I'm fucking working off fumes here. I've been living off water and Pringles for the last 12 hours. I'm doing the best I can. I really am. Anyways, let's get back to the subject. What shocked me 
more so, obviously, the win, Michigan winning that game, the way they just dominated, the way they bullied Ohio State for 60 minutes. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, back and forth, stalemate. Ohio State was scoring touchdowns to hang around, but you could feel that entire game from Michigan's opening drive. That entire game, it was like, oh, yikes, Ohio State might be in for one today. Like, literally, that's what Ohio State was doing with their scores. It's not like fucking shot for shot for shot and Michigan's going to fall off. It was like Ohio State scoring to cling on to dear life. Like, they knew every time they had the ball, they were like, we have to score, otherwise we're fucked. Where usually that's the complete role reversal. Usually Ohio State's effortlessly effortless effortlessly scoring, doing whatever they want to Michigan. And Michigan's over there like, dude, we got to fucking score every time we get the ball. Otherwise, this is getting ugly. I couldn't believe how Michigan flipped the script. I couldn't believe how easily they moved Ohio State in the trenches. Hassan Haskins is a beast. That O-line is savage. I mean, they had no trouble. They didn't have any trouble the entire day pushing Ohio State around. It was remarkable. Like, you're... I get, uh, and we've seen the stuff now since then. Everyone, oh, Ohio State, we knew they weren't a physical team. The coaches, the Michigan coaches, which, you know, I don't know how to feel about them before the Iowa game on went, or on Tuesday, still talking about how weak Ohio State was up front. I guess you win for the first time in eight years. You got to just bury them as much as you can. But the coaches coming out talking about, we knew Ohio State wasn't physical. They're a finesse team. We knew we could dominate them up front. Listen, I didn't know you could dominate them up front. I didn't think they would. They never have. They never have done that to them. Nobody does that to them. Michigan State run the ball, runs the ball very well. They ran it all over Michigan. Granted, Kenneth Walker was hobbled. That ankle was fucked up. He only had six carries. It was a shit show the entire game. We didn't do anything to Ohio State's defense. You would have thought they averaged giving up 20 rush yards a game watching the MSU game. And Michigan bullied them. Michigan did whatever they wanted to. Run left, five yards. Run right, eight yards. Run up the middle, 10 yards. Halfback toss, 15 yards. Play action, 40 yards. Like it was bang, 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 nothing. Not even like, like I said the week before where Ohio State looked like they were playing on air. It looked like it was a fucking practice in August for the Buckeyes. It looked like it was a practice in August for the Wolverines. It looked like they weren't even playing a defense. It looked like they were just going through the motions, running their plays. It was so effortless. I was shocked. I thought Ohio State would run it up. I thought Ohio State would be the one effortlessly moving the ball, and Michigan would be the ones trying to keep above water. Boy, was I wrong, and boy, was it the opposite. Josh Gaddis, great game for him. Cade McNamara, great game. The offensive line, the story of the game for Michigan. I mean, like, like literally. I know there's that text. I don't know why I think it's funny, but John Madden texting Jim Harbaugh saying he's never seen an O-line performance like that. Like, dude, I don't think I've ever seen an O-line performance like that. I don't even remember the last time it was I watched a game where it was like, wow. These guys can just run it for eight yards every single fucking time they want to. Every fucking time they want to. They could have sat there and told Ohio State, hey, Haskell Garrett, we are running it directly at you this play. And they would have picked up six yards every fucking time. It was that easy. It was like Chad Ochocinco telling the cornerback his route and still taking that shit to the house. It was so unbelievably easy. And to do it, to do that, to do what they did, 
to dominate and just manhandle and abuse and really embarrass any team, any team. To do that to Grand Valley State would be impressive. To do that to Central Michigan would be impressive. To do what they did to fucking Ohio State, if they would have done that to Purdue, it's impressive. To do that to Ohio State, to just decide, you know what? We're going to physically fucking dominate you. We're going to make you feel pathetic. We're going to make you question every single thing you did over your weight program this summer. We are going to demoralize you, crush your spirit, and hopefully by the end of it, make a few of you decide maybe football's not for you. To do that, to impose your will to Thanos, to be Thanos on a football field against a team like Ohio State, is unfathomable. Unfathomable. If Georgia did that to Ohio State, it'd be shocking. If Alabama did that, it'd be shocking. If Clemson did that, it'd be shocking. If any of these schools that have been in the playoffs, been competing for championships, have been considered the best teams in the country every year for the last few years, if any of them did it, it would be shocking to come from a school, to come from Michigan, who's been dominated in the rivalry, who seemingly year after year can never come up with the answers, who seemingly can't make the correct adjustments, who seemingly can't stack up even though they recruit well, whatever the case may be, year after year falls short for them to be the ones and to just come out and dominate. It was as impressive of a win as I've ever seen. And you know what? kind of fitting because you think about games like that you think about Ohio State losing and it's like how how would a team like that lose like how do you beat Ohio State Pro, I don't know maybe a flea flicker goes to the house maybe a house a punt return or a kick return um they turn it over two or three times right like you got all these things that go your way right CJ Stroud was okay Cade McNamara threw a pick in the red zone. Like the bad plays, the plays that should have cost a team the game, they happened to Michigan and it still didn't matter. Just to to win that convincingly, that effortlessly, that easily, to be so dominant against a school like Ohio State and your rival who is who has had you in the palm of their hand for the last 10 years, unfucking believable. So, like I said, congrats to Michigan fans. Enjoy it. I fucking love college football and dude, does it, does it never taste better than when your team wins? I will say that the biggest thing about it, my biggest takeaway was damn, I want state to win. I want state to go back to Indy. Like this 10 and two season was awesome. We beating Michigan was awesome. Like beating Miami at the time was awesome. Winning 10 games, watching Kenneth Walker, just getting on the Mel Tucker hype train. Everything was awesome. Watching Michigan beat Ohio State and celebrate Indy and just the fact that they're playing this weekend, their dreams are in front of them. Yeah, like let's face it, Georgia probably would spank them. Like you never know, I guess, but you know, probably would annihilate them. Just to have that hope, like in college football, winning a Big Ten championship, like dude, that's awesome. Like you don't need the natty. The natty would be great, but you know, you got to have a fucking absurd team. Winning a Big Ten championship is so fun. And watching Michigan do it, yes, it's awesome that they beat Ohio State. I'm happy for my friends and everybody. It's been forever, 10 years. It's like the Lions winning a playoff game, this, that, the other. It made me think of 2015 when Michigan State was doing that and just how unbelievable it was, how fun that run was. 
And my biggest takeaway from the game was like, damn, dude, I fucking 10 and two was awesome. Right. We were supposed to win four and a half games. This year was great, but like, I'm not satisfied. Like I want Indy. I want Michigan state to do what, to do what Michigan did. I want to see MSU celebrating. I want to see Mel Tucker going to Indy. Like that's what that game made me feel inspirational, inspirational from the Wolverines. Um, and also shout out to Michigan state, you know, big dogs in the big 10 Ohio state saved their best game plan for the dogs. Um, they gave Ohio or they gave Michigan state their a plus game. They gave Michigan state the kitchen sink offensively poured their gut sweat tears into that MSU game and then showed up with their C minus performance against the Wolverines. Shout out to Michigan state for wearing them down, giving Michigan a chance. That's brother helping brother <laughs> had to sneak it in there, but greatest season. And however, 17 years for Michigan, oh, still lost to MSU. That's too bad. <laughs> All right. Now I'm done joking. I just, I can't fucking resist. Congrats to Michigan people. Enjoy it. Big 10 football and being in the big 10 championship. Ah, it's different, man. I want MSU to be back there. All right. Quick break. And uh, we'll talk Javi buys of the Tigers. <laughs> All right, Javi Baez signs at the Tigers. Six years, 140 milli. This dude's going to be living like a goddamn Highlander. Clear out a mansion in Bloomfield for the kid one time, for El Mago, for the second baseman, no look tagging, strikeout swinging, home run missing, king Javi Baez. Listen, I made the TikTok and I summed up my words in 60 seconds. There's, there's, you know, there's nuance. There's a good amount to say. You could write a poem. You could write a book. But at the same time, there's not that much to say. It's good and it's bad. It's good and it's bad. On one hand, there are people complaining. Tigers fans, oh my fucking God. Chris Illich is public enemy number one. Shun Chris Illich. Nobody ever eat Little Caesars again. Couple things. If you think I'm never eating Little Caesars again, you're out of your mind, dude. You're out of your mind. Chris Illich could dissolve the Tigers altogether. I'd still be at his fucking pizza shop the next day. That's ridiculous. Let's not even, that's ridiculous. Okay. That's, let's, that's like saying, hopefully the fairy godmother shows up and brings us Carlos Correa. Let's not say shit. That's never going to happen. I'm going to little Caesars. I'm going to get an extra most, most bestest. I'm going to get a few zap packs and I'm going to put that thing down. Like I haven't eaten in a month. So let's move past that. There are good and bad things. Let's focus Let's focus with the bad, right? Let's see who everybody's complaining about. And even rightfully so. Obviously, elephant in the room, Carlos Correa, he's a better player. Maybe Javi Baez, you could argue, is a better defender. He's more athletic. He's younger, which, and on a shorter-term contract, six years versus Correa wanted 10, probably bodes well, bodes better for the defensive aspect of the position. Here's the thing, though, if you ask me. Yes, they needed the defensive shortstop. Carlos Correa is fine. Like, it's not like he's not good at shortstop. He's good. Yeah, he's a little older. Maybe five, six years from now, you start to have to replace him. He becomes a DH or a third baseman. Okay, fine. Carlos Correa is just a much better hitter. Carlos Correa brings a championship pedigree. Carlos Correa bridges that gap with A.J. Hinch. He's almost, they talk about it in basketball a lot, in football, like the manager, the coach out on the field, on the court. Carlos Correa is an extension of A.J. Hinch. You don't think Carlos Correa is going to come in and set the tone 
for guys like Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Like imagine those dudes coming in and you learn every day from a guy who's won, was it two World Series rings? Who's been a stud since he entered the league, right? Who is a superstar, who knows everything that it takes and what it's about being a major league baseball superstar. Like there is not a better person, not a better player outside of the whole cheating bastard thing that you could have to mentor and shepherd in guys like Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. That's one mess. And it's no doubt he's the better player. He's the better hitter. I think like from my perspective, when you watch the Tigers, yes, the fielding of the shortstop position has been fucking gross. It's been putrid. We need a bat so bad. They need a bat so fucking bad. Even this season, even this season when the Tigers were beating some good teams, right? When they'd go on stretches where they looked pretty good, where they improved a ton from last year. You could even like, there'd be games. There were at least five to 10 where it's like, dude, if they have one more bat, like one more guy hitting three, four, five, just one guy that's serviceable. That's pretty good with a, a bat in his hand. They probably went five, 10 more games. Like they needed one more bat this year. You're going to bring in Torkelson, which you hope he's able to rake. He's a bat. Riley Green, he's a, he's a bat. He he gives you value at some point, maybe the sixth spot, seventh spot. We'll see. But you hope he can hit the baseball. And then on top of those two guys, you throw in a Carlos Correa. Like, that elevates your lineup. Your lineup that went from this year, like, oh, okay. Like, they'll have nights where they smack it around. They have nights where they don't do shit. Your lineup went from that to they're going to hit the ball like 80% of nights. They're going to score a bunch of runs 80% of nights. Like you, you became a contender. You put Torkelson, Riley Green, Correa with the guys that had Badu, Scope, Cabby, okay. Candelario, if he can keep it going. That's a lineup. That's a lineup. That's a lineup that produces every night. With the young rotation, you're going to have a chance to win every single game you play. Now, Baez, he's not bad at hitting, by no means. Like, he'll he'll hit for power. He'll hit some home runs. The average isn't terrible. The OPS isn't terrible. I think it's – I saw he had a .863 with, uh, with the Mets for however many games he was there. Like, that's, our, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. You just don't have, like, a bona fide superstar. He's not a bona fide superstar bat. What makes Javi Baez, Javi Baez, yeah, he can hit. Yeah, he has the crazy bat flips and he swings for power. But what makes him Javi Baez is the base running, is the flashiness in the field, right, is the gold glove. And he strikes out a fuck ton. That's the difference. He strikes out a fuck ton. And what you saw from the Tigers last year, that first year with A.J. Hinch, where they kind of suddenly, like not a – not a whole lot changed roster wise, but all of a sudden they were winning some games, beating some teams. They shouldn't have the lineup was kind of frisky. And it's like, damn, what happened? Well, AJ Hinch happened. AJ Hinch came in and said, guys, we're not going to swing at horseshit pitches. We're going to, we're going to put the bat on the ball. Like Javi Baez is the exact opposite of what everything AJ Hinch believes in and preached and what he enforced to, to improve the lineup last year without really improving it through roster moves. Now, that being said, maybe the reason they targeted Baez is because they said, you know what, we can get this guy for half the cost, half the time. And with AJ's ability to coach and change a guy's approach and mindset, maybe they're thinking AJ Hinch can work with Javi Baez and get that K rate down. That would be fucking awesome. Like if they can, 
I think it's in like a 36. I want to say I read 34, maybe mid thirties. If they can get that down to like mid by George low twenties. Now we're cooking with gas. If that's the belief that, Hey, let's fucking buy low on this guy that has the, the roof, the ceiling of a superstar. We have faith in AJ Hinch. We have faith in our coaching staff, our hitting staff. We're going to get him to change his approach. He's going to stop swinging at shit pitches. He's going to stop striking out all the time, right? If that means he hits fewer home runs, that means he hits fewer home runs. Like if their belief is let's, let's sign Javi and let's work with them and let's tap into a potential other teams haven't, then so be it. I hope it works. And if it does, they'll look like geniuses. The more obvious play was Correa. The better player is Correa. Maybe they're getting a little cute with Javi where it's, yeah, let's, you know, we'll figure out the K rate. AJ Hinch will get him to stop chasing bad pitches. Like we'll get more value out of them than other teams because of our coaching staff. Fine. Maybe they're doing that. Or maybe flat out Chris Illich was like, you know what, dude, I don't want to pay 350 million for a player. Sorry. Maybe that's what happened. And I think that's the part that you can get upset with. That's the part you can get upset with because these guys ran their mouths this offseason. Al Avila, Chris Illich, we're ready to spend big. We're ready to compete. We're ready to go out and acquire whatever necessary pieces to make the next step. Blah, 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 fucking horseshit. They came out. They ran their mouths. They talked about how they wanted to spend. Chris Illich, one of the more wealthy owners in the game of baseball, right? The Detroit Tigers are a legendary baseball brand. The Detroit Tigers are used to having an owner, RIP Mike, having an owner in Mike Illich that when the time comes, when the team is there, when the when the opportunity presents itself, he is more than willing to cash out, to open up the bank vault and bring top-tier talent to Detroit. And now Chris Illich is kind of, you know, wavering on his word. He said, we're going to we're ready to pay top dollar. We're ready to bring the best to Detroit. We're ready to compete. Well, you know what? The best wanted to come to Detroit. The best has a tie with your manager, who's the best manager in baseball. The best is the best. He's the best shortstop on the market. He has a championship pedigree. He is the perfect guy to usher in these guys like Torkelson and Green. And you fucking passed on him. Nothing you can say, nothing you can do with Javi or whoever Nothing you can do makes up for that. And it'd be one thing if they kept their mouths shut and here came free agency. There was Correa. They didn't They didn't want him. They didn't want to pay the money. Whatever the case, they didn't want the term and they settled for Baez. It'd be one thing if they kept their mouths shut and did that. But it's another thing, just the fact that they were talking about, oh man, we're ready to spend big. We're ready to make Detroit a destination. Just shit coming out of their mouths. That's what irks me about it. Like, I'm not as upset that they chose to go with a 140 million six year contract versus a 350 for 10. Like, we're, we're seeing what happened with Miggy. 10 years is a long fucking time. By the end of that deal, Correa is going to be old. And everyone's reasoning is, you know what? Money's not real. Who cares? Like, there's no cap in baseball. He, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't get. I understand the logic of not wanting 10 years of Carlos Correa at 35 a year on the books. I get that. I can appreciate that, but don't come out and talk about how you're ready to pay top dollar. And then the Texas Rangers with a less wealthy owner with a worse baseball team, a far worse baseball team, mind you come out and spend 500 mil on their infield. Don't, don't come out and run your mouth. And then you pull out the wiener at the urinal and you got a millimeter Peter sitting there. Don't do it. 
You don't need to talk the big game. If you want to settle for the cheaper bias, the shorter term and bias, that's fine, dude. That's fine. Don't fucking feed me shit about how you want to do the best. You want to bring the best. You're ready to open up the coffers. Don't fucking treat us like we're kids. That's what bothers me about it. Don't lie to my face and then slap me in the face. Tell me like it is. And you know what? It may be the prudent move. Correa has had injury issues. Maybe five years into whoever, someone's going to sign Correa for what he wants. Maybe five years into that 10-year deal, Correa falls off. He can't hit anymore. He can't defend. And maybe Chris Illich looks like a genius. Fine. Just don't play coy. And now I'll tell you this. Now, after giving those remarks, we want to spend, we're ready to, you know, we want to bring talent here. We're ready to take the next level. Our championship window's opening. They got Eduardo Rodriguez. Great sign. I'm fine with Javi Baez, and we'll talk about the positives. Use that money that you just saved, that 12 mil a year you just saved, that four years of term you just saved. Now you got to use that money to get other pieces. If you want to get a depth guy in the outfield, if you want to get another starter maybe, you want to go work on the bullpen, whatever, use that money now. Use that money elsewhere. I think that's if Chris Illich and Avila decide, you know what? If this was their plan all along, we're going to take Baez for for a bargain, shorter term, less money, and we're going to spend the rest of this money and just add depth to this team, just bring more to the team. I'm happy with that. Fine. I'll take back every bad thing I said. Fine. If they sit on the cash, my upset, my, my anger will remain. Now let's flip the script. It's not all bad. Like I said at the beginning, pros and cons, right? Like you can't, you can complain. You can complain that they didn't go out and get the best player. You can complain that they said this and that and didn't do it. Valid. At the same time, it's an improvement. Javi Baez is the best shortstop that's been in Detroit and I don't even know how long, right? He is a vast improvement to who played there last year. Ian Short, Goodrum, both defensively and offensively. Vast improvement. Like, let's not forget that. I get he's not Correa. Okay, he's not a top three shortstop in the game. Fucking fine. Not You're not going to have the top three player in the game at every position. Use flash. Fine. He still is a major, major improvement at the most critical position on the field. A major improvement that the Tigers sought out to fill their biggest hole. A major improvement at the position that caused us the most detriment last year. So even if you want to complain that it's not Correa and they didn't shell out on the biggest name and the biggest talent, they still went out and got a player that is going to improve this team drastically. That's a fact, both defensively and offensively. And you know what? This is a corny fucking fan homer dumb take, a dumb thing to say. I'm aware. But you know what? Javi Baez is flashy. Javi Baez is fun to watch. Javi Baez steals bases. Javi Baez tags people without looking at the fucking base runner. Javi Baez has the nickname El Mago, a.k.a. The Magic Man. Are you fucking kidding me? You remember the last guy who played in Detroit named The Magic Man? Shout out Pavel Datsuk. Javi Baez brings something to the table that even a guy like Carlos Correa doesn't. He brings electricity. He brings excitement. Maybe that was part of the thinking, oh, we're going to sell a bunch of Javi Baez jerseys because he's fucking El Mago, right? We're going to fill up Comerica because people, even though maybe he strikes out more than Carlos Correa, maybe his average isn't as good. This guy is electrifying to watch. He's going to bring fans to the park. Even though it's a fan corny, probably not a great reason to sign a player to your baseball team versus another. It's fucking true, dude. 
Javi Baez is an electric factory. He's probably the most fun player in baseball to watch outside of pitchers. That's just true. That's just a fact. That means something. They want people watching the Tigers on television. They want people spending their Friday night at Comerica Park. And they know when they have a guy like Javi Baez, nicknamed fucking El Mago. Are you kidding me? That's the sickest nickname. No look tagging people, bat flipping, doing all kinds of shit, stealing bags, doing whatever. They know having a guy like that is going to draw fans. It's going to make people interested. And guess what? Guess what? Everyone's upset. Oh, it's not Correa. It's this. It's that. He's not as good at this. He strikes out. Guess what? If Javi Baez comes out here and he plays like he did with the Mets, he was good with the Mets. He comes out here and he plays like that. AJ Hinch maybe cuts down that K rate. He improves him a little bit. If he comes out here and plays well, Detroit is going to fucking love the guy. Everybody who's naysaying him right now, everybody who's upset we didn't get Correa, and they're two separate things. Like I don't think if you're upset about not signing Correa, it necessarily means you're upset that we got Baez. But everybody who's upset with the deal now, if he comes out and performs, they're not, they're Carlos Correa. Who they won't even fucking remember that November 30th happened. If Javi comes out and performs, he's gonna be the fan favorite. He's going to make Detroit a fun place to play. Torkelson, Green, all those guys are gonna have more fun. Fans are gonna go to the ballpark. If he comes out and performs, people are going to fucking love this guy. They're going to forget Carlos Correa's name altogether. I promise you that. And again, let's not forget. He is a massive upgrade at our worst position for the last six, seven years. He's maybe not the best. Maybe he's not a top three at that position. He still is a massive upgrade. He still can hit the ball. He still is active on the base pass. He's a great defender. Torkelson, Riley Green, Baez, Scope, Candelario, Badu, Miggy, if he can scrape it together a little bit, right? Miggy will be chasing his 3,000th hit. That young rotation, you add in Eduardo Rodriguez. Hopefully they do something else with that excess cash. They got Carson Barnhart, Eric Haas. This team's going to be fun to watch. Like we're complaining here. We're complaining that they didn't get Correa. Listen, Eduardo was a great signing. Baez is a good signing. Barnhart's a good signing. They're adding two seem to be, knock on wood, can you hear that? Knock on wood, seem to be surefire stud rookies. And are you a young rotation that was good this year that you can only hope and would expect improves? The Tigers are going to be just fine next year. The Tigers are going to be a good team. They're going to be fun to watch every night. They are. Now the White Sox are a fucking wagon, so it's tough to say they're going to challenge him for the for the pennant. I wouldn't be surprised if they battle for a wild card spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the play-in. It's going to be okay. I know it's not Correa. I know you can be upset at Illich because he ran his mouth and didn't show up, but look, guess what? He still made a major improvement at a position we desperately needed to that. And if he goes out and spends that money on it, that excess cash, that excess 12 mil on another starting pitcher or a bullpen guy or an outfielder, then fucking that's great too. That's great too. Like there will be nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to come out here and say it. I like bias to the Tigers. Would have liked Correa more. I like bias to the Tigers. I just wish Illich and Avila, like don't fucking make promises you can't keep that. Everybody hates that. That's what makes people not like you. People aren't as upset that you didn't get Correa as much as they're upset that you made it seem like you would and then you didn't get him. All right, folks, I'm dead tired. 
I'm fucking dead. My eyes are quitting on me. So this is all I got today. Um, I appreciate everyone who listens. I, I means a lot. I can't wait to, now that I'm in LA, I'm alone. Um, I'm going to grind on this. I want to take this to the next level. Like I've said before, the goal is Barstool Sports. The goal is to do Detroit for Barstool Sports. That still is the goal. I still believe it's going to happen. The momentum's building. I can feel it. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the supporters, everyone who likes, comments, interacts, shares, really does mean a lot. Um, I don't know. It's cool to think of like building a community. It's a fun feeling. It's a cool thing to do. Anyways, hope everybody takes care. Hope you had a good day. Also, the Oxford, the shooting in Oxford, Michigan. (sighs) I fucking hate people, dude. Thoughts and prayers. Anybody who is involved sucks. Nothing I can say, but if you're connected to it in any way, I hope you're doing all right. World sucks, man. People suck. Um, Be good to people, guys. Anyways, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.